Hello and welcome. My name is Leah Barber and you're listening to Next Gen Femme, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women's achievements. Being a business, sports, STEM or the arts, we speak to women that persevered through ups and downs to pursue their passions. But I would always say you can only bring the horse to water, you can't make him drink it. So you can only do so much, you can't actually control everything. And this is what I have to keep reminding myself. It's like, okay, what can I do? What can I do right now in this moment? What can I control? And anything else that I just can't control? Not that there's no point in worrying about it, but it's just a futile, it's just like a a pointless exercise. In episode 17, we had the pleasure of chatting with Dr. Kleena O'Connor. Kleena is a postdoctoral researcher with the National Suicide Research Foundation. She previously worked on the My World Survey, the largest national study of youth mental health conducted by UCD and Jigsaw the National Centre for Youth Mental Health. Kleena graduated with a PhD in psychology from UCD in 2018. Her research focuses on risk and protective factors of mental health and the use of technology for improving well-being. As a former primary school teacher, Kleena is interested in bridging psychology and education to improve mental health. Kleena talks to us about her journey, what led her down the road to become a researcher and more, as we discuss the importance of mental health, especially given the current climate. This week's episode is full of interesting information and a few laughs along the way. We're excited for you to hear our 17th episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Next Gen Femme or Next Generation Female, however you'd like to put it. We are back with another episode. We're on episode 17, which my supremely impressive co-host, Dr. Fiona Malone, (laughs) I have to up my introduction of her every week. is very surprised that we're on episode 17 isn't that right Fee? I can't believe it was 17. I know there's something positive about this pandemic at least. Oh yeah. well have someone new to talk to every week. I know every week we meet someone new and this week we have Kleena O'Connor. Hello Kleena. Hi guys how are you doing? Thank you so You're much good. for joining us. Yeah. Kleena is a former primary school teacher, PhD in psychology from UCD and is a postdoctoral researcher with National Suicide Research Foundation. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah well that's me wrapped up so we can just uh <laughs> that's it for episode 17 <laughs> thank you there. for joining us this week no <laughs> Kleena thank you so much for taking the time out for joining us this week and um, we're very excited oh. to have you on the episode and thanks for the advice you're very welcome we're very excited to to hear your journey of going from being a primary school teacher to doing a PhD in psychology and doing the postdoctoral research with National Suicide Research Foundation Ireland to get started, could you please introduce yourself by telling us your name, your age, if you don't mind, occupation, and an interesting or random fact either about yourself or just like an interesting random fact that you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Kleena O'Connor. And funnily enough, as I was saying to you earlier, there's, there are actually two of us in psychology in Ireland called Kleena O'Connor. So it makes it look like I have way more research done than I actually do. Um, so that's probably my interesting fact actually and I'm 29 yeah I'm doing so I kind of like to use the term research psychologist for what I do so I research things about the mind and the and behaviors and um you know psychological concepts so I'm a psychologist but I'm not out there treating people or diagnosing people I'm kind of in the background watching what you're doing quietly observing yeah I'm the creep yeah (laughs) the sudden urge to sit up straight I know yeah any kind of facial tics so you can tell me what they're about so with our podcast we're very kind of free-flowing it's all about our guests kind of taking us and our listeners on their journey their career journey so for you if you could take us on where you went from deciding to be a primary school teacher and then coming to the decision that you actually wanted to change and do a PhD in psychology and then getting into the postdoctoral research situation so just kind of take us on that that journey okay. journey is our favorite word yeah. I think that's our like how much time do we have because this could be a long story well I I suppose in leaving search when you really start thinking about jobs and careers in that year I was over and back I wanted to do things like speech and language therapy primary teaching pharmacy for a while and I kept coming back to primary teaching so it was just a thing that I just kept coming back to so put that down first but at the time there was also and there still is a course in Mary I 
for people who want to do psychology and primary teaching and it was higher points than the primary teaching course so I was like yeah sure look it's higher points I'll throw it down sure if I get it I get it and if I don't I'll just do primary teaching and I'll be happy out of that and at the time I didn't actually I don't think I knew any psychologists or anything so it was by pure chance that I got the points got into that course and then I was actually presented with a, like a dual degree in <laughs> primary teacher primary teaching <laughs> it's like jump so, isn't it like that, that's two degrees that's a lot yeah 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 it was a lot and also I didn't even really know what psychology was to be honest mm-hmm. and I'm being completely honest like in our first lecture in in first year in intro to psych the the lecturer made a joke about like hmm some of you might think that psychology is lying down on a couch and talking about your feelings but there's way more to psychology than that and I was like what <laughs> nobody told me that <laughs> so it was never a case that I thought I'd do psychology by itself or anything mm-hmm. and then I suppose as the four years went on I was exposed to more about different areas in psychology and also uh, research in psychology so I was doing my degree in primary teaching I was going out on teaching practice I was you know getting that experience all the while doing some research in psychology myself for my own dissertation mm-hmm. so I came away afterwards I taught for a year uh, in a primary school in Cork and I loved it I really did love it and I actually think I'm the type of person who would enjoy a lot of different career paths to be honest yeah <laughs> but I while I loved it I found that I spent a lot of my time working with one or two kids who needed that extra bit of help and it wasn't even the help in the learning side of things it was more the emotional and the behavioral right. side of things okay and what but class I, were you teaching Kleena third class third class so, so what would they be about nine oh, eight or nine yeah yeah so I at the same time I was very sensitive like I would take their problems home with me and I would dissect them and I'd be worrying about them and I'd be oh up in a heap mm-hmm. so I knew that I wanted to do something to help these children but I didn't think I was strong enough to deal with with the situations that would would present on my door and it kind of reminded me of something which it's funny how these things how people say these things maybe flippantly and they don't even realize that they're saying them but we had a lecturer in third or fourth year in in my undergraduate uh, undergrad degree and she said that if you do research you end up helping like thousands of people that you might never meet but if you're on the ground practicing, you might you might help people, but you're not helping as many people, mm-hmm. sort of a thing. Yeah. So yeah. just kind of that distinction between like practicing in psychology, so counseling and therapies, that's great. And you do directly impact on people's lives. But just because you're doing research, it doesn't mean that you're not helping people. You're actually yeah. helping people in a more indirect way. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's kind of what, what got me thinking about doing the PhD was that I really enjoyed doing research in undergrad. I'd still get to help people. But I wouldn't have to be, it kind of just suited me in my sensitive nature that I wouldn't have to be like a really, really strong person. Probably take the face away from the people Mm -hmm. that you're helping. I really like that about biomedical engineering, that I'm interested in medicine and and biology. But if you'd asked me to go into a room and tell someone that they had, you know, they were really sick or, you know, they'd only a certain amount of time left, I wouldn't be able to do that. But I totally understand what you mean by being involved in research you get to to kind of cast your net a bit further in who you're going to help. And also then there isn't a face. Yeah, yeah. So I'm able to dissociate or kind of just take take a bit of a step back, even Mm -hmm. though, but at the same time, I'm still helping. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, then I I emailed my final year supervisor in Mary Eye and I just said, look, I'm thinking of going into research. I don't know the first thing about it. All I know is that I enjoyed doing it. in undergrad (laughs) and he told me to look up different researchers around Ireland or wherever and just to see just look into different lecturers or researchers and have a look at their research backgrounds and see is there anybody there that kind of fits with what I'd be interested in Mm. so I picked one out Amanda Fitzgerald she was based up in UCD so I just emailed her met up with her stars aligned (laughs) and started my PhD then the following year so it it was a master's into a PhD Okay, um, so okay. 
so yeah, I spent four years then up there doing that. And I my the, I suppose the topic of my research was on youth mental health and using computer based programs for improving mental health. So coming from the, the teaching background, I was like acutely aware of the mental health problems, but also the burden that like is just weighs down on teachers of having to deal with it, mm-hmm. even though they don't actually really have the time or the resources to do it. So my my desire was to come up with some sort of program that could be implemented in schools as an additional thing to to whatever they're doing in SPHE or whatever for for mental health. So the program I was working on was more kind of a preventative sort of a mental health approach rather than treatment, Mm -hmm. which meant that everybody could could do it and maybe feel some sort of benefits from it. I'm not going to say that the program turned out too well, to be honest, (laughs) but I learned a lot in the meantime. (laughs) So like these things, they just take a there's a lot of trial and error associated with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, but anyway, then I finished up my PhD and I worked on the My World survey for a year and a half. And that was, and still is, the largest study of youth mental health in the country. Okay. So I was the postdoctoral researcher in that. For that, we collected data from over 19,000 young people. Wow. Aged 12 to 25. Just within, Ar- idea, within Ireland? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the idea behind that is to look at risk factors and protective factors Mm -hmm. and a young person's mental health. So we looked at loads of different factors that could potentially impact on mental health, the good things and the bad things. And and we we did this survey with like all sorts of young people. And from that, we're able to see, okay, if a young person has good mental health, what are the the biggest predictors or what are the the things that are in their lives that are helping them mm-hmm. and what would they be any examples um, oh good question you might have seen all of this all of this kind of campaign stuff by jigsaw so this this um research yeah. was in collaboration with jigsaw the national center for youth mental health mm. and the the one thing that came up was the idea that if a young person feels they have one good adult or a special adult in their lives they tend to have better mental health outcomes than those who feel that they don't have one good adult. So just the idea of kind of making yourself available to a young person and being consistent and always there or, you know, just kind of to to help them and to to guide them through life, that is a big predictor of mental health. So that's pretty cool. And then on the other hand, we look at things like risk factors. So if we look at our our young people who are really struggling, things like alcohol use um, or uh, alcohol misuse, I should say, really, um, drug use, those sorts of things then were coming up as as being correlated with negative mental health. It's interesting though, it's it's kind of, it's cool to, to look at all of these different factors that could have an influence mm-hmm. and just seeing how, how we can take that and, I don't know, shape policy and practice for our young people to help them. You know? Which goes back to what you were saying that being involved in research, look how many people you, mm. have, you know, their information and, and what affects them and how many then you can go on to help by creating yeah. policy and, and procedures and things like that. That's really yeah. So now I'm involved in with the National Suicide Research Foundation. I'm involved in research that looks at organizational structures. Uh, so the workplace, I suppose, and how organizational level things can influence mental health even things like mentorship or supervision and how that influences mental health and we're looking specifically at healthcare workers actually (laughs) and um, (laughs) construction workers as well because of the high rate of uh, suicide in particularly among construction workers globally and not just talking specifically well Ireland as well but internationally well, they're, they're sad pretty. but interesting yeah 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 it's it's pretty cool <laughs> um I, but to be honest I'm very new to this job so I'm I feel like I'm just finishing up my world survey and I'm just like okay whole new <laughs> thing like you know we're still looking at mental health and things like that so it's yeah and um, how have you found the kind of transition of because from the sides of things you were very more targeted towards kind of the younger sort of demographic and now you're kind of transitioning t- into maybe a slightly older demographic as you said people that are employed and working and stuff like that so how was that transition kind of going from a younger demographic to a slightly older demographic yeah that's a good question and so to be honest we haven't actually I haven't been dealing with the participants we'll say just yet mm-hmm. so but 
as far as the research process goes, it's fairly similar. Like we still have to, uh, you know, design our survey or design our, our intervention. And that's what we're doing at the moment. Um, we're designing an intervention, but we're also doing a couple of different surveys with the stakeholders, we'll say, to see what they want to see what they think would help. Uh, so all of those steps and things like getting ethical approval to to do this sort of work, all of those steps are similar to what we would do with young people anyway. Mm-hmm. So my job so far doesn't really differ that much. I think doing a PhD, you learn a lot of skills that transfer over to different areas of work. So, so far, I haven't really been presented with anything that I'm like, oh, don't know what this is or so yeah, it's not too bad. I might use different tools already to measure mental health and that, but it's fairly similar so far anyway for me, to be honest. Mm. So you've obviously, what is it, World My Survey? World. My World Survey. My World Survey. Yeah. And you're now doing the kind of the research with the mental health within the workplace. I'd love to get your your thoughts, especially when you said the workplace, everything is so different now at the moment mm-hmm. with the current climate what are I'd love to hear your thoughts on I think mental health will be a huge factor in what comes out of what's happening at the moment so I just I'd love to hear your thoughts on it it's 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 funny because I this project that I'm working on was designed before COVID-19 was a thing so it's funny that we're now going out into this world that like we kind of weren't anticipating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually involved in research with UL where we're looking at youth mental health of young people during COVID-19. Right. I think um, I saw a link or something about that before. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I'm just collaborating on this project. It's it's in association or in collaboration with Oxford University. And we're looking at those things of, you know, what's going on and even what are the differences between working from home and working out of the home. Uh, and it, to be honest, it's it's very unclear. We had we just did some preliminary uh, analysis there just earlier on today. And it's really hard to paint a picture yet because it's I think there there's it's a very dichotomous or it's very um, split where you have some people working from home and it's completely fine, probably for the likes of myself. I don't have anybody dependent on me or I don't have to care for anybody. Mm. And then you have the other person who's working from home and they have four kids and Mm. they have an elderly parent or, you know, so even within the working from home thing, there is such different types of people. Mm. And then you have the people working out of home they might be getting great job satisfaction or they might be, uh, you know, feeling like they're they're active. They might actually be looking better in terms of their mental health than the person who's at home stressed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, minding all the kids and whatever. Dangerous in, in terms of the COVID uh, situation, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're leaving your house. Because I remember, it's so funny you say that. So both my parents are still working and classed as essential workers. And I have seen felt no change really in their terms of conversation and things like that you know when you're ringing home however for me and being um working from home now uh, and trying to teach online I think this is the most stressed I've ever well PhD I was pretty stressed you're <laughs> in eyebrows and everything but this has been a very yeah I mean I'm, I'm using it as a learning outcome and trying to be positive and all that but it's hard yeah it's so yeah. hard and you don't want to be a, a moan and michael down the phone to anyone because obviously we're all trying to get on with it and you know people are in you know way like you were saying way worse situations but it's hard then to not kind of go through the emotion of it all as well so it's very difficult because yeah. even if you think then about the parent who's at home with all the kids and whatever they and they might not be working at the moment they might be seeing this as like oh this is amazing i get to spend time with my children for the first exactly. time ever so it's really hard to know the effect. I do think, though, that I, I do worry a good bit about children and their own development, their own like social and emotional Not development. Being, you know, in groups and playing and, and mm. all the things that, you know, you do as a kid and you learn from. I I did see an image, I think it was at the schools in France, I could be wrong, and they're all in these little kind of squares mm. away from each other and they're mm. just playing on their own. Yeah. God, that's yeah. miserable. Like, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's so, yeah, it's just really hard to to be able to say for sure that those who are working um, outside of the home who are classed as essential workers are any better or any worse than mm. the people working at home. Or, I don't know. It's just it's, very strange. It seems every case is unique and its own 
unique cocktail of things like yeah. like yourself I'm similar I don't really have anyone depend dependent on yeah. me I live by myself so and I've been working from home for the last two years anyway so it hasn't been a huge difference now in terms of I don't see as many people as like I didn't see many people before and now I still I even less so but I can definitely understand that if you have kids or if you have a family that's kind of in the in your house and you're trying to get work done it can definitely become quite like stressful and everyone's situation is different like I'm Mm. some of my thoughts go towards like people that would be maybe in a household that are suffering from some sort of uh, physical or emotional abuse and they have no way of escaping from it now because of the situation so there's so we won't know the effect of this until it's over essentially or yeah and I feel like it'll live on for years as well yeah that's it's funny as well if you think about kids who might have been bullied at school and now they're at home all the time Mm. they might have been experiencing serious emotional difficulties four months ago but now they're (laughs) they might appear to be doing really well yeah you know yes wow (laughs) it goes so far beyond what you know from day to day doesn't Mm. it and then yeah it really does like that and you're like wow that, that I haven't even thought about the little kid getting bullied in school mm, and how yeah. that's true this might yeah now. there's just mm. it's such a roller it's such a roller coaster or a zigzag of lines of things are some people are good some people are not like it's yeah. it's it's just a bit wild and it's such a an unpre <laughs> the the term that everyone keeps using <laughs> unprecedented times it's unprecedented we didn't predict this and you were like if you had we probably would like it's not like something you could predict but. And actually, our results last year, so they, I was involved in my world survey too. So it was the second wave of this study that was originally done in 2012. Mm-hmm. So we were able to compare the mental health of young people in 2019 to the young, the, the mental health of young people in 2012. Mm-hmm. Well, how are we doing? Mm-hmm. Using, like, yeah, like using the same standardized measures. So okay. we're not doing very well. <laughs> uh, how did I know? How did I know? Oh, but the funny thing, I don't know if it's funny, but the peculiar thing is like this time last year, we brought our results to young people and we, we asked them, you know, what do you think of this? Like, what what's going on for our young people? Does this make sense to you? The young people now would be in a worse position than young people seven years ago. And they were just like, yeah, but, you know, we're constantly bombarded with things about global like climate change. You know, we're being told that this isn't good for you to eat and this isn't good for you to eat and this isn't good for you to eat Mm. and you shouldn't be smoking and you shouldn't be drinking. And we're not actually really told what we should be doing. And if you are exercising, you're not meant to exercise too much. And if you are eating healthily, you're not meant to eat healthily too much. And, you know, there's just all this um, like kind of conflicting messages being thrown at them and they're always being thrown in a negative light. So they're a bit like, you know, what do you expect from us? You know, mm-hmm. of course we're going to be depressed and anxious. Like, yeah, yeah. And now I'm just like, God, if we were to bring these results to them now this year, they'd be like, <laughs> God, like, uh, hello. <laughs> God love the leaving the 2020 leave insert. I know, I know. Because the only thing is that I, I like, I if there are like young people listening, I do really genuinely feel very sorry. But I'd like to think that they will be the most resilient generation. Mm of our and even that specific group I think they're going to be really resilient and I'd like to think that it will all work out for them in the end you know sure look at me like I went off and did primary teaching and now I'm a psychologist I think I think that like as you said I think that I agree I think they will be the most resilient and it just I don't know if you guys listen to another podcast called I'm Grandmam it's such (laughs) a good podcast it's these two guys two guys from Cork that live in London and on one of their most recent episodes they had the guy from Normal People, Paul Meskell, and they always have this section at yeah, they always have this section on the end where it's like their mum gives advice to someone that calls in. And they actually had Paul Meskell's mum do it and she was all delighted to do it and stuff. Uh, and and the question that she got was from um some female Leaving Cert student saying how she didn't know what she wanted to do. She's so stressed with the Leaving Cert right now, with what's happening and going on. She's just really worried and stressed. And I think and this applies to even if this situation wasn't happening, the Leaving Cert isn't the be all and end all. If you do whatever, if you do great in the Leaving Cert, if you don't do as well as you'd hope in the Leaving Cert, 
there are so many avenues and paths and directions to go and pursue careers that you want to pursue. And I think, yes, the the Leaving Cert is um, a great stepping stone to further education, third level education, but there's definitely too much emphasis put on it, especially for some people that might necessarily be super academic, I find. Yeah. And also she's like, they're like, they're what, 18 years of age and she was worried that she didn't know what she wanted to do. Like, nobody knows <laughs> what they want to do. Nobody knows what they want to do. The truth is, it's like, there's no big secret exactly if somebody does know what they want to do at that age like fair dues to you because you're the minority in the whole world you're you're part of a minority that knows what they want to do so I thought with with you being a psychologist and stuff it'd be interesting to like yeah I also think that I like I was traveling there in January until March when I had to come home due to travel restrictions but I was 29 when I got to go traveling because it took me a while to save up the money so although you might think as a Leaving Cert student I want to travel the world I want to do x y and z I want to become x y and z I was 27 when I became a psychologist and I was 29 when I got to go travel the world do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so this time you know <laughs> so much, oh my god you've just hit the nail on the head you were watching something yesterday oh is um do you watch uh some good news and uh, John Krasinski I don't watch it but I know of it yeah oh my god yeah, it's, I know of it. it's, it's it's so good. It's like that podcast and what he does every week. I think he's finishing it now. What he does every week is obviously based in the US and people send in videos of good news, some SGN, some good news. And one week it was obviously their graduation year, um, 2020 graduation. And he had people like Oprah giving an address to all those who tuned in. And then it had like flash to videos of um, students coming down their stairs in their robes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they go all out and um, for graduating high school and uh it was so interesting because I was just thinking I was like there's such an emphasis on this leave insert and a rite of passage and there's other things that are also massive rites of passage that are people aren't getting to do like their weddings or graduating from university mm-hmm. or you know hoping to start a new job and then that taking it away from them because they can't due to COVID I've had so many friends that are going through that right now Yet all of this emphasis on the leaving cert is just making it a bigger thing, like, and making it, it's encouraging the emphasis that years and years and years we've all put on it. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's, it's such a, it's such a shame, but also even the leaving cert couldn't survive COVID. And I think that's a nice little win for everyone in class of 2020, because it just goes to show that something so archaic as the leaving cert and putting all that fear on a, an 18 year old's shoulder can't withstand a virus and that's good <laughs> that's one thing that's yeah that so there's more to life there's exactly. so, so much more so much more and so much. uh there's you in your lifetime you're gonna like we always say career or life is not a straight line not a straight line by any means i think your career path is actually a really good example of like you said that you liked the psychology the research part of psychology and before somebody said but you're actually helping a lot of people and probably more people indirectly because of going down that research route you're probably helping people indirectly and also helping the psychologists that are practicing one-to-one with people because they're obviously taking the research and putting it into practice so I think it's a great your career is a great example of you if you like a certain area of some sort of career there might necessarily you might necessarily have to go into the obvious like you mm-hmm. said the, the lecture like oh you probably thought this is where you sit down on a couch and you talk to someone <laughs> like that's probably what most people think when they, like it's probably what I thought when I thought <laughs> psychology so I think it's really good to to showcase your career to people that are listening that there are so many avenues when it comes to so many careers, if that makes sense. So psychology, you can do research, you can actually go into practicing one-to-one psychology. There's probably other things that you can do within psychology. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's. I think it's interesting to show that side of things, if that makes sense. Yeah. But that the main line is you did what you liked. Exactly. Yeah. We always say, if yeah. you're court, like I have students that come in to me and they're like, oh, I hate maths. And I'm like, you're doing engineering. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, Jelly. You'd want, you'd want to get like in it. <laughs> it's like, it's not going to go away. Do you know that kind of way? And I just think it's such a fundamental thing. If you do, if you like what you do, you'll do more of it. Yeah. 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 Oh, like me wanting to do pharmacy was so a product of 
my school and the people I was hanging around with who were interested in science, as in, I mean, kind of chemistry, biology. I hated chemistry, but I love, like, I love science and I love scientific mm-hmm. methods, but I really just didn't really, yeah, I could go on a rant now about this, but I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, like, shame anybody. I kept coming back to the teaching because I thought that's what I'd like, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I wouldn't like it. Sure, I still get to do teaching with being a postdoc, do you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Because I was always said, oh, you like teaching. I'm le- I'm teaching now, mm-hmm. but it's not the teaching that they kind of put in your head. Yeah. And I think you touched on another point there as well. Um, you thought you'd like it. We yeah. think we all like things and then we go, ooh, I don't yeah. know if I really like that. Yeah. Whereas I think if you like something and you're good at something and, and you, you've access to it, you know, I think you brought a really good point there that you didn't know anything about psychology. That was always something that I could never understand friends going in studying subjects at third level and they'd never touched it before, like psychology or philosophy. And I'm like, where did you even think of that? Like, yeah, away from your seven subjects from school. I know I did engineering, but it, it's, physics and maths and science so it's not too far of a step away but I think I used to always think it's very brave they know nothing going in there that's crazy why would you study that do you know you see in my head I was like oh sure I'll, I'll just be a teacher anyway and the psychology might might you know benefit me in that that was yeah. my I don't even think I really understood that it was a dual degree to be honest and like I was you know I was quite studious I probably should have known to you know <laughs> <laughs> It's funny though, because I would also say that yeah, your your parents, your mums, and your dads, and whoever might feel they know best. But when I wanted to launch into psychology after my year of teaching, my mom, with the best intentions, was just like, "But would you not stay and get a permanent job, sort of thing?" And you know, mm-hmm. just kind of, I suppose she was looking out for me. But I think sometimes when you know, you know, yeah, you know? yeah. And I so think just kind of, I suppose have that confidence that if you have that gut feeling that what you're doing is right, then I think most parents or mothers or fathers always come at that direction like you said it's it's them kind of looking out for you and they have it's probably that little bit of worry that they might have that oh will you be okay not that they're worried that you don't like what you do or anything like that it's just it's just a worry that I hope it's they'll be okay kind of thing yeah I think that that's where that reaction comes from I think it's like a default reaction but I'm sure once she probably saw that you enjoyed what you did it it probably changed her opinion or her oh sure even so I have my PhD well I handed my thesis in two years ago this summer I was reading something out to her the other day and it was blah 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 Dr O'Connor is blah 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 and she was like who's Dr O'Connor (laughs) <laughs> mom that's me she's like oh dr o'connor that has a nice ring to it doesn't it does she call you dr o'connor now no, no. <laughs> we, we're the only person that puts doctor of everyone's name like, my like, you work so hard to get it that. it's just like that. you're gonna have doctor in front of your name <laughs> even if it is a ross doctor a ross doctor a ross doctor <laughs> It's so interesting, isn't it? My parents are the same as well. They were like, I, th- I think it's just their generation of, to them, security and job security equates to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, your, your your ticket to a good mental health. Whereas yeah. our generation, you probably see it now in, in all your results and your data that that's not yeah. the case. And I think a lot of young people uh, struggle with that that as well having too much choice Mm, it's gone yeah yeah, it's gone the other way now it's Mm. it's trying to refine that choice because there is so much refinement in careers now Um, and there's always the possibility of what if hanging over you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. but but that's why i say if you go with your gut you can't really regret that yeah and there's always nothing is permanent unless you get a permanent job but (laughs) but in terms of but in I'm terms of it's a permanent job yeah. and she's she's not she left it do you know so. yeah so like <laughs> there's I think that's a lot of fear with with younger people as if they make this decision now at whatever age they can't go back on it that's it now but in in actual fact I don't know if we said this before we went 
started recording or, or after we started recording. But Fee, you said that in our lifetime, we probably change our careers at least five times, which I think is is great because unless if you're someone that's really happy in their in their career and never change, then that's fantastic for them. But it's a part of what we always say is like your career choice isn't set in stone. If you find yourself one day that you're not happy working in the career that you're working in, change it up. Just do something yeah. different. Why not? I also think that part of being a feminist, if you will, <laughs> is uh, the idea that if I am lucky enough to in the next few years have children and if I'm faced with this guilt that people talk about Mm. that I would actually do something about it you know that I might work part-time or I might work on something not necessarily part-time but that I might just focus all of my career aspects on one particular goal rather than I have my finger in a few different pies at the moment you know that I that I would be confident enough to make that decision do you know what I mean that like just because I'm doing this now just because I'm doing this like a couple of different projects one with UL I'm still in touch with the people in UCD about my world Uh, I'm obviously now working in the NSRF and UCC just because I'm doing that now it doesn't mean that I need to keep doing that do you know Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's a very good message for people to hear yeah and it doesn't mean that then if I was to drop down to part-time for a year and if I didn't like it sure look I'll go back full-time you know it's just like yeah I suppose seeing how you're feeling in that moment and just doing what makes sense at this time it's really like even during COVID if you wanted to take that philosophy now do what makes sense Mm. this isn't a time for what was was that last week's um, podcast from Kate don't uh no big decisions right now do what you feel is right and go with your gut. And that's essentially what she said for COVID. But I think you're right. It can be totally applied to. to I also think you can only control so much. Mm -hmm. Like I always say this. So when we last year were, were doing our work with the young people and we needed to get as many respondents as possible. We'd get on to, we'd get in touch with a few schools and they they might say yes, eventually, but they might turn around and not actually want to do it. Mm. So, or it might be the same with participants, that they'll say they do it and then you go out to them and they'd, you know, you might send them the link or they, and they just don't do it. Mm-hmm. But I would always say you can only bring the horse to water. You can't make him drink it. So you can only do so much. You can't actually control everything. And this is what I have to keep reminding myself. It's like, okay, what can I do? What can I do right now in this moment? What can I control? And anything else that I just can't control? Not that there's no point in worrying about it, but it's just a futile, it's just like, as a pointless exercise yeah a waste of time I suppose yeah yeah so it's the same with the COVID thing you know what what can you do with your time right now not what can't you do yeah <laughs> yes what can I do I like that what can you do yeah I think your mention of like how you can send out these surveys to people on about mental health and stuff like that it's definitely it's it's such an Irish thing to not talk about your feelings I think it's getting better but there's definitely this reluctance to kind of expose yourself as it were and I think myself and my friend were talking just to bring back normal people again because it's such a good show are you obsessed it's very good (laughs) highly recommend but there is a there's have you guys seen it I'm reading the book at the moment okay I don't want to yeah spoiler alert oh it's not too big of a spoiler but Paul Meskell's character goes to a psychologist. But what was great that me and my friend discussed was he kind of represented a character that is seen so much here in Ireland where it's like that GA star, that popular boy that has all his friends but never really ex- exposes or expresses his feelings. And it also showcased that his friend, who was another male or another boy recommended why don't you go talk to someone so myself and my friend thought that was a really kind of positive thing to show on tv although there's a lot of controversy with normal people but it was it was great to see that there was a young boy or a young man or whatever expressing to his friend why don't you go seek help it's free talk to somebody and then seeing that guy who kind of represents a lot of stigma or de- demographic in Ireland of that GA star, uh, yep. kind of exposing his feelings very in a very raw situation. Um, I also think it's important to 
maybe think about just I feel like there's like an add-on here that if you talk to somebody and you still don't feel better Mm -hmm. talk to somebody else yeah but just because you spoke to one person and you don't feel much better it doesn't mean that's what it's going to be like with everybody Mm -hmm. I I always think about that with yoga I'm really into yoga Mm -hmm. a few years ago I just happened to find the first yoga teacher I went to I just thought I I just fell in love with yoga and then I went to another class and I was like oh yoga is kind of okay you know, it was just a different teacher. It was a different method. Yeah. And I just worry that if I had gone to that second teacher first, I might have been put off yoga completely. So it's kind of like that with talking to someone that just if you do go and talk to someone and you don't feel much better, maybe just talk to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's a service. I mm-hmm. mean, kind yeah. of like, it's like a haircut. If, if one hairdresser cuts your hair and you're like, oh, don't really like it. But you do the Irish thing and you're like, thanks. Yeah, it's clap. Um, show you the back of the he- your head and you're like, it's lovely. <laughs> I didn't want a mullet. Thanks. Though. Um, but then you it's a service that's being provided and mm-hmm. it's totally within your right to go to the one that suits you. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's really important, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even just if it's like informally with your friends or your parents or whoever, that if you talk to someone even there and it doesn't make you, it doesn't really, it actually, in some cases, it could make you feel worse depending on their reaction to you. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, don't just think to yourself, okay, um, I shouldn't talk about my problems because they're not well received. Mm -hmm. That was only one person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's important to to maybe think about, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Obviously, you've kind of gone down the the career in psychology of research and stuff like that. Do you think you'd ever kind of go to a different aspect of psychology, maybe actually practicing it one to one with people or do you think you'll kind of research is where 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 you want to stay and that's where you're oh, I really don't know to be honest I'd love to if I was to do another degree for the crack <laughs> <laughs> don't we all <laughs> if I was to do if I was to kind of go into more like practicing psychology I think I'd like to go into sports psychology okay class yeah yeah I think it'd be really cool but mm. I don't think I'm like I don't think I'll do it anytime soon mm-hmm. but I, th- I just think I, I don't know if I was to do something else yeah I don't and I don't even really know if there is anything in particular I'd be looking to get into yeah I just find the whole idea of motivation and mental imagery and things like that like different tools that you can use for sports I find it really interesting mm-hmm. yeah that is interesting so I guess with the psychology stuff and with the the research stuff and going through the career of your your undergrad and then your your PhD and stuff like that what kind of what drives you with the psychology you're like it's obviously something that you're very kind of passionate about and you were just saying there with the sports sports psychology you mentioned like the motivations behind it so I'd love to know what your kind of motivations are behind your psychology choice you're coming in with all the tough questions today I have a degree in psychology (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think it always comes back to wanting to help people Mm -hmm. I do think that that's where my like the core motivation is you know I also think that I genuinely enjoyed school and I enjoyed college and I enjoyed learning and that's something you're also doing every day in research is maybe learning a new way of analyzing something or a new way of testing something Mm -hmm. or I think you're always kind of you know learning and and writing is a huge part as well so I feel like those skills I just enjoy doing Mm -hmm. you know but the the core motivation is always comes back to helping people that need it to be perfectly honest I didn't I hadn't had a personal I suppose we all like deal with ups and downs but I had never been clinically anxious or depressed before going into a career in psychology it wasn't like there was a personal thing there for Mm -hmm. me I just think it was more an empathetic sort of a feeling that I have that yeah I just want to help people mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no that's a nice that's a that's a nice answer like I think that's a true answer to you because I'd say a lot of people maybe go into psychology because of personal reasons but yours is just simply because you like to help people and sometimes yeah. it's as simple as that you just want and I, I found myself getting frustrated when I was teaching because I'd be in in a classroom teaching x y and z whatever and I'd be thinking but there's just this one child in the class who needs a lot of help right now do you know he's misunderstood that's just where my I don't know my attention was was drawn to Mm -hmm. was mental health Mm -hmm. so yeah I don't know 
No, I, think I always feel like I just kind of fell into this, but I don't really know if I did. I'd say there were some, some conscious decisions along the way. <laughs> well, it seems like it, it, it came very kind of a, of a natural progression from yeah. your, from your yeah, undergrad. That, yeah. And then, as you said, doing the teaching and in, encountering some children that you felt needed that little bit of extra help. And you kind of went, well, why can't I be that extra help somehow? Um, yeah. And obviously yeah. Pers- went down the line of pursuing it that way. And as I said, sometimes your motivations are as simple as that. I just want to help people. And yeah. that's that's yeah. one. There doesn't need to be a, a big, long explanation. It's just, I want to help people. Whatever yeah. way it is that I can do that, I'll do it. I had another question there before and then we started going, <laughs> we started chatting and now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I, I just think, want to point out, I think it takes an air of confidence to be that person to stand up and say, yeah, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you should um, you should be applauded for that mm-hmm. as well, because it is um, not easy to change from your permanent inverted commas primary school teaching job to realizing that I can I can actually make a difference here and I can help here. And I think you need that air of confidence and vulnerability as well mm-hmm. to be like. I'll do that. Hand, I'll put my hand up and I'll do that. And I, I would be the first to say as well, though, that I was incredibly lucky that I I never really, like I'd saved up enough money. And when I first started the PhD, I was subbing in primary schools around Dublin to keep myself going. And then I got a scholarship for the, the PhD part of it. So I was I was lucky that I kind of fell into a scholarship. Well, you know, I worked for it, obviously. Yeah. That, But I always felt, and I, I will always, like feel incredibly lucky for the reason that I knew that if it happened that I couldn't make rent I I knew I could call on my parents or my brother or you know and I know that a lot of people don't have that so Mm -hmm. I I hear what you're saying about the confidence but I'm just like yeah but I was also in a in a good position I think that I should acknowledge that as well to know that I that some people aren't in that position Mm -hmm. so you you were in the position to be able to put up your hand I suppose is a better yeah and that I was in the position to take that risk do you know yeah yeah like even if if somebody now has has kids or anything you know that you know putting up their hand to do that is Mm -hmm. is another risk you know the risk is different yeah yeah Yeah. and that is a a subject that a lot of our women on our podcast have touched like with um Anne's story a couple of episodes ago she wouldn't have been in the position to start writing only for the support of her her family and and I think with PhDs we talk about them uh, and the oh now I've doctor in front of my name but it's very it's a very tough road if you don't have that support, especially financial support, mm. um, because the days can get very long and the rents come up very quickly. And it's not seen as um, it's not a time where you'll be making money. If you're doing PhD for money, it's not, you ain't doing the right thing. So I think it's very important. And, and thank you for bringing that up. I think it's really important for anyone that wants to go down that research road to get support financial and otherwise. Yeah. And I think it's even just not that I ever went running to my parents looking for like yeah yeah there's that it's just knowing that I could if I had to yeah knowing that there was that little bit of a a safety net or a yeah trampoline kind of underneath yeah yeah I I remember what my question is now (laughs) so it's probably you're like I've heard this one before but obviously when you say go into a party or or whatever and like I'm a psychologist everyone goes okay so I had this dream (laughs) do you ever find that when you when you say to someone that you're a psychologist they're just like not wary of you but like just like oh is she analyzing me or can I tell you about my dream oh you analyzing me right now I'm like yeah but I'm gonna say no 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 I don't. <laughs> I'd say yeah and just mess with people <laughs> yeah just go say you're like sipping a drink you're just like yes and then they go well and you're like eh, just, you know yeah it, it is all stereotypes all right but usually I actually just say oh I work in mental health research and they're like oh that's really interesting let's chat about depression and anxiety you know I don't really say like and like, a party you know, and even great party to a party conversation <laughs> oh stop I know yeah yeah I actually years ago I was at a house party I don't know what this this fellow was kind of missing and I must have said something and he turned around and he was like don't judge me you've no idea or something like that and I was like light bulbs shining <laughs> in my head it was like oh 
<laughs> go on. Yeah, like, the notepad <laughs> comes out, so. <laughs> it was like really big, long conversation uh, where at the end of it, I'm like, okay, you need to go and see a counsellor, basically. And then he found me on Facebook a few months later and messaged me, thanking me that Aww. I gave him the push that he needed. <laughs> That's nice. Oh, my God. Yeah. There you go now. Yeah, I didn't actually because I was still an undergrad at the time. But yeah, it's just funny that how sometimes you're, yeah, when you say you're doing psychology, how mm-hmm. people do kind of disclose information. Yeah. <laughs> Una did psychology, didn't she, Fee? Yeah, yeah our so. friend Una Brown. Shout yeah. out. Shout out to Una. She did psychology. We were always like in college, you're like, so are you going to explain our dreams to us and stuff? <laughs> I think that was just you, Leah. Maybe it was just me. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I have a lot of dreams where I think I can fly and stuff like that. So whatever that means. My teeth fall out all the time. I never get that one. That's yeah. it. Anyway, that's a, another episode more. Another episode of the podcast where we discuss our dreams. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're kind of coming to the end of the podcast now. So I guess my question to you, Kleena, is what's next for Kleena O'Connor? Oh, I haven't a clue. But to be honest, I am happy about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am happy to kind of just go with the flow. I work hard, so I'm sure that I, it'll all fall into place. You know, I'm just like, it'll all work out. I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm not trying to skirt around this, this the question. I genuinely don't know what's in store for me. I, I think that's a good answer, though, because it also shows like, you don't have to know exactly what's next. You're yeah. like, I'm actually happy where I am right now. I'm happy to keep going as I am now if something comes along that I go oh I'd like to do that then that's fine too but I think that's a good answer for people to hear that you don't you don't have to have your next plan plan planned out you know it's just like oh I'm happy now for the last few years in Dublin uh specifically like I suppose the last year year and a half in Dublin my partner and I are both from Cork and we were both keen to get back to Cork so now I'm back in Cork and I'm working in mental health research and I'm happy out so I'm mm. like happy for now that'll do yeah, that'll do that'll do donkey that'll do <laughs> <laughs> um okay so we we like to finish off the podcast with just kind of sort of fun little questions uh, yeah cool. kind of quick a quick fire round um, yeah. So the first question is three people dead or alive that you would like to have over for dinner. I've been thinking about this one and I'm like, do <laughs> I include people do I include people in my life already? You or can. Is it- it's three people dead or alive, whoever they may be. Oh my god. Okay, so I suppose God, this is gonna get emotional. My granny, she well, she died maybe three years ago now. Mm-hmm. So, and before she died, she wouldn't have met my partner okay. and she didn't see me get a PhD. So I think it'd be kind of cool, you know, to bring yeah. her along. <laughs> and then my partner, because he'd have to meet her. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> finally then Amy Poehler. Oh, so funny. Lots. Oh. I love Amy Poehler Tina, so much. Tina Fey would be jealous, but Amy Poehler. I think Amy Poehler is definitely the funnier out of the two. Yeah. Have you read uh, her book? No. Oh, this is so lads, funny. COVID nineteen now. Sit down with Amy Poehler's book. It's honestly the best thing you'll ever read. If you're looking for life advice, even oh her her philosophies around women supporting women, so good. Okay. I have the audiobook and I listen to it sometimes when I just need like you Motivation. know a bit of a, a bit of a hype, a bit of a psych sesh. You know, yeah. where I'm just like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm good enough. And um, I even went off and bought the book so that I could <laughs> like pick out and like highlight different things she says. Okay. She's amazing. She, I'm going to buy that straight away. Support local bookshops, but I'm mm. going to buy that straight away. I read Tina Fey's one. Bossy, oh, yeah. Bossy yeah, Pants. Bossy Pants. Yeah, yeah. I've read that too. And it's a similar idea that it's, you know, it's it's kind of, it's more about kind of her thoughts about life with a few anecdotes thrown in. It's not really totally biography where she's not like starting from the day I was born to yeah, right now. Venus <laughs> is very like, oh, you know, going through the the workplace and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. oh, well, thank you for the recommendation. Ooh. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'll have to add no that worries. to the list. They're great, a great three. The next one is, what is your favorite quote or mantra that you live by? Or that you oh, like I to have say? a few. Go for it. Go for it. So... Oh God. Okay. This one, I actually keep, I write this down and I keep it at my desk. Okay. Um, and this isn't, this is something I you can't really see it through the yeah. screen. This is, actually, this is something from Amy Poehler's book and I'm really going to sound like such a like super fan now, but anyway. She's awesome. 
So you know. it's you do it because the doing of it is the thing. The talking and worrying and thinking is not the thing. Okay. Why so not? it's kind of just about like if you sit down to do something and if you're worried about it being perfect or if you're talking about it or if you're it, it actually isn't even a thing until you start doing it. Mm-hmm. Does that actually make sense? Because it totally makes sense to me. Yeah, right? no, it makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's something that I kind of come back to every day when I sit down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the other one was my friend Sarika, her mom is oh she she's really cool she is a lecturer in UCC in the school of dentistry she's a really cool person but her her like motto or whatever is how do you eat an elephant one bit so at you, a time yeah exactly one, one bit bite at a time. one bit at a time yeah. so just because you're faced with this mammoth task of doing something if you just take each day as it comes and just do a small bit every day yeah it then becomes the mammoth thing that you think you could that you thought you couldn't do mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's kind of it. That's a good one. That's a classic one. I'm a fan I love of that, that one, actually. I'm yeah. Fan of that one. Yeah. I really like the Amy Poehler one. I'm going to yeah. totally get this book. Definitely. Yeah, it sounds Pippi like a day, good book. Oh, she also has a really good one where she says, you know, where we kind of have a tendency as women maybe to, to look at other women and say, oh, she's doing that. I should be doing that. Mm-hmm. Or if she's doing that, I'm not good enough or whatever. So she always says to herself, good for her, not for me. So just like, just because it's good for her, yeah. it's, it doesn't mean that it's for me. Just because she, I don't know, goes off and gets an amazing job in America, it doesn't mean that that's my path. It's not for me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's okay. It's okay that it's not for me. And I think that's very, I think that's very apt for the podcast too. Like our, our purpose is to, to yeah. showcase that there's so many careers that you could do and there's so many opportunities. Yeah. The world is your oyster. But by no means do we want to put across that the, of the careers. yeah that the speakers or the, the the guests that we have on this podcast are like oh sure she's doing that like I haven't done anything in my life that's not what the purpose yeah. of this podcast is and I think that quote that Amy Co- Poehler quote is very apt yeah. oh um, I sound like such the... a crazy fan now. no don't worry I have some people that I'm very crazy fans about too so don't worry <laughs> I think everyone has their one like or two celebrities that they're just like oh my god they're God's grace to the world yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Amy Poehler is definitely one of them she's hilarious um, Her Paul is mine I can't help it it's just the way the world turns <laughs> yeah and yours is Zendaya isn't it you really like Zendaya I think Zendaya is amazing for her age she's unreal she's just like what I don't even I think she's like 22 or 23 and she's just like stop she's she's, not is she she's like so wise good for her I know good for her her. (laughs) (laughs) I have a few people but Zendaya is one of them yeah Uh, and Beyonce she queen (laughs) but we digress so knowing what you know now what would you say to yourself 10 years ago Okay, so I was 19. Oh, oh God. I would say... Don't do pharmacy. (laughs) Yeah. I would say be good to the people around you, I suppose, that you care about Mm -hmm. and who are good to you. And by that, I mean, like, kind of don't waste time with people who aren't good to you. That seems so, like, if somebody was to hear this now, they might be like, is she talking about me? (laughs) (laughs) You know who you are. No jokes, jokes. would be more like I think what my advice would be more around social aspects rather than career I think Mm -hmm. it would be just like don't get caught up in being everybody's best friend or everybody's go-to person Mm -hmm. because kind of be shrewd and see okay who's good to you I wouldn't say that as like be her like you know a bit of a bitch to other people (laughs) not that at all but just like just like kind of look after yourself as, um, as you like to say fee you can't pour from a an empty cup or whatever yeah. so yeah you can't and not to go back to our obsession of normal people but i think they highlight that oh, exact gosh. um idea <laughs> obsessed um but they do highlight that exact idea that um paul mesco's character connell was giving all of his time to the people that weren't good for him mm-hmm. yeah it's essentially why he gets into it's part of why he gets into the situation where Leah was talking, where he goes to the, the counsellor, psychologist. But so also just like you deserve, if I could go back, you know, like you deserve to be cared for and happy. Do you know, yeah. you deserve to be like treated well. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I love that. Don't, don't settle. <laughs> I think I've that's... all these quotes now on my wall. I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> we were just i think we've just become a podcast of quotes every episode it's just, i'm okay with it yeah i'm, I'm, okay I'm here it. for it we love to see it we love to see it so one last thought before we sign off what would you say to someone that's teetering on the edge of a big decision or what life advice would you give someone and i think what like what advice would you give maybe to the 2020 students of of leaving certain graduation and kind of yeah what we're going on at the moment yeah i think get busy and by that i mean like clean the kitchen or go for a walk or do a bit of a spring clean of your clothes Mm -hmm. and you'd be surprised how when you're doing something physically your mind is working through things or kind of your mind kind of subconsciously is processing what you're worried about Mm -hmm. so I think by getting busy you're kind of occupying yourself a bit and giving yourself some your your mind is is kind of working in the background I know that sounds a bit crazy but if you sit around and ruminate or if you sit around and think about it too much Mm -hmm. you could grow into a bit of a worry a a big ball of worry which paralyzes you and you might not actually be able to make a decision at all but I think if you just try and keep yourself busy and but like you know not too busy you know but just (laughs) kind of keep keep yourself occupied your mind is stirring away anyway in the background and whatever feels right you'll know love it great advice great advice thanks very much I'm wise beyond my ears (laughs) (laughs) Kleena this has been a fantastic episode getting to understand your your passion and your love for psychology and where that's brought you from primarily doing kind of going down primary school teaching but kind of having psychology on the side and then realizing actually no psychology is 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 where I want to go and then going into the kind of I suppose maybe the less obvious for most people when they think psychology by going into a research role I think it's been fantastic listening to you and even just our summer discussions on mental health and stuff like that which is a very important topic all the time, maybe especially now and everything like that. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, and if you do have young people listening, check out jigsaw.ie for tips to look after your mental health. Which leads me into, I was just about to say, where can people find you? And if you want to plug anything in your socials or maybe this Jigsaw website, you can now. Well, my Twitter handle is (laughs) Kleena with five E's. (laughs) But just for mental health support, I suppose there's Samaritans, there's Aware, but Jigsaw is particular to young people. So I think that would be good. And they have a load of webinars and blogs and stuff for for you to read. So I think that's who I'd like to plug, I suppose. (laughs) Amazing. Kleena, thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on to our podcast. Our humble podcast, as we like to call it. A little podcast, a baby. Little, a little podcast. So that's it for for this week's episode, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it, and you'll catch myself, my co-host, Doctor Fiona Malone, and our next guest and our next episode. So until then, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.